2: All I ever
0: wanted was a little love. I want true romance. It's true.
3: Hello, and welcome to True Romance. This is Carolina barlow This is Devin Leary. Devin, we have a very special guest today, but before we get to her, we need to talk about uh, the new Sex in the City reboot. And just like that. And just like that. My husband is dead in the shower. That was the
4: spoiler heard around the world because it seems that zero attempt was made whatsoever to hide that spoiler. Everywhere I looked the day the show came out, it was like, (laughs) what about the Peloton? Big died on a Peloton. I was like, wait does anyone care that we obviously just know what's going to happen? And then it kind of ruins the episode. Cause the whole time they were like weirdly foreshadowing his death. Like Constantly. she's like, you're really like going to have another cigar. And he's like, yep. And then she's like,
3: Oh, you love the Peloton. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go to a recital instead of going to the Hamptons. Okay. They talk about their plans, like the whole episode, but
4: this is the thing. The creators and writers of sex in the city have a serious issue with potentially OCD-related guilt complex because the whole storyline of the first movie was that because Miranda said something weird at the rehearsal dinner, Carrie's wedding didn't happen, so she blamed her whole wedding not happening on Miranda. And now because Charlotte invited Carrie to a recital for her daughter, Big died. It's like, that's not how cause and effect works. He didn't die because Charlotte invited her to a recital and they didn't get not get married because... Miranda said, you two are crazy to get married. Like they have this weird thing where they build storylines around like the idea that one person's actions can destroy someone's life. And for such a low stakes show, it's upsetting.
3: I've also never had friendships where if, for instance, Devin, when you have children one day and when they have a piano recital, I will have no qualms about saying. I'm not going. I love you. I love your child. I don't need to go to that.
4: Okay, that's fine but if you don't come to my 30th birthday i will be upset about it
3: i but that does not compare i That's and true. i wouldn't think your child would care about me going when she was like but she oh and she keeps on saying the manhattan school of music it's the manhattan school of music yeah. it just seems as you said devin I, I i fear that charlotte has forgotten what acting is she definitely has
4: i actually liked her in the original show like i thought she was good at playing the like perky... Like she's that girl that we all know that girl and she was good at it. She's struggling to get lines out in a way that doesn't sound like a teen that got pulled out of the mall to act in a commercial and has never acted before. Like she's like, and Carrie, will you be coming? Like she doesn't even know the proper, like the tone. Like she's like, uh, yes, the cadence. Like she's like, Harry don't do that it's very confusing and then yeah i felt like i guess it's interesting that her storyline is that she has a not traditionally feminine daughter and wants her to be feminine it
3: makes her kind of seem like a nazi
4: so they have two storylines like that like miranda's is that she's thinks she's woke and she's not which i like because it's like all right we all know that like she ran for what did she run for? Governor or mayor? Governor, right? President. No governor. Like we all know she ran for governor, so it's kind of funny to be like, Oh, you think you're a woke lady, like pussy hat wearing lady, but you're really not.
3: <laughs> you think you're a woke, pussy hat wearing
4: son of a bitch. At the same time, these are women who have stayed living in Manhattan or Brooklyn and I guess Miranda lives in like Chinatown for their whole like they're not that out of the loop that charlotte would really be like you're not gonna wear a froofy
3: dress like they don't live in kansas i that was a little weird i thought it was weird that how they try to make her marriage look perfect like her husband comes in on a skateboard with his daughter and she he's like i keep you on your toes and she's like i know i love it that way and they kiss (laughs) i was like i would much prefer him coming in being like don't talk to me i'm in a bad mood i'm on a phone call your daughter is spoiled we're raising brats like <laughs> aka
4: me every time i visit you in california and i come home <laughs> off the airport
3: <laughs> aka like my relationship with Devin. um no I, I just i i that felt like it rang so false to me emily nosbaum who's the new yorker tv critic made an interesting point where she said it reminded her of the last seasons of girls where she said they all knew the criticism of the show, and so they were incorporating right. it, incorporating it into their show. Like we know right. Hannah Horvath is self centered. Let's talk about how self centered she is. We know right. Alison Williams is a bad friend. Let's talk about what a piece of shit she is. And so, right. all of a sudden, there's an influx of black characters, which makes sense. The show was insanely white for a show about New York City. Yeah, and we're talking about how Miranda's fake woke and how. Um, obsessed they are with looks and all this stuff and you know heteronormative structures and etc but there's just something that rings false will i watch every episode of course i can't wait okay and this is the other crazy thing i tear up at parts i normally would tear up at something like this but i actually didn't um when samantha sent the flowers i teared up which she obviously didn't. I was like, Kim Cattrall probably laughing at the scene, being like, yeah, right. I'll never fucking send you flowers a day in my life. I think I
4: was mostly just distracted by, first of all, like the realization that Carrie is actually the enemy because she has married a billionaire. Like their apartment is that of a billionaire's. And so she also has a podcast. I mean, wow.
3: Where'd you get that
5: idea? Where'd <laughs> you
4: get that idea, Carrie? Talking about relationships on a podcast. Interesting should I start calling you what did they call her the cis the cis white woman of the podcast that's you Carolina because you have curly hair (laughs) you have curly hair I'm the other people okay Devin's a minority
3: because she's Irish which we (laughs) of course forget about
4: yeah everybody forgets about that that's funny I know (laughs) I was I was talking about getting my Irish passport yesterday and then I was like so what do I do just like show proof that I'm Irish and I was thinking like I would just show up and be like, look at me. (laughs) Look at me. It'd be like, oh, she's one of us. Wait, so in in the realm of succession, which we're going to talk about next, it's like we're learning that billionaires, well, some of us are learning, I guess some of us have known for a while how evil billionaires are. And then we're meant to root for Carrie living in this giant like fucking penthouse for just her and her husband they don't have kids but yet they need this giant ass place because he works in fine like I was like oh so they're horrible people and no offense but like am I happy that he died on the peloton I don't know and I just that was like sudden I was like oh okay so you're billionaires who live in a penthouse and go to the Hamptons interesting and you are yet the protagonists of this that was distracting as well as the pandemic buzzwords The pandemic buzzwords were crazy, including Peloton. They were like, look, what's the most pandemic death we could do besides dying of COVID? Which they had a person who died of, like, they joked about a person who died of COVID where the woman was like, my husband died of COVID and I couldn't even see him. And Carrie's like, okay. I know, I was like, oh, interesting plot point. But they're like, they're like, Bridgerton. Oh yeah, let's watch Bridgerton, Peloton, um, six feet apart. Like, it just... All the
3: pandemic masturbation, all the pandemic buzzwords. Uh, I didn't. I don't think masturbation was a pandemic buzzword, but I did it think it was really funny. Cigars that... was a pandemic buzzword. <laughs> I did Braindies think it was real... a pandemic buzzword. Okay, um, no one's listening to me. I did think it was really funny that on the podcast that she has they ask her about masturbation and she's like um excuse pardon moi I was like you were a sex columnist in New York for a hundred years and you never like no one's ever talked to you about masturbation and you're like terrified of the word
4: she was like the content was a little bit too raunchy for me today it's like (laughs) didn't you have someone pee on you wasn't that a thing
3: asked to pee on you which is one of my favorite episodes to pee or not to pee I'll never forget yeah okay so you're gonna do do pee pee
4: (laughs) pee -pee, poo poo jokes but you're not gonna do masturbation and then they like do this whole thing where she wants big to masturbate and again meanwhile we're like so we're watching a man who's about to die like it's just too much
3: i thought that scene was strangely very romantic and yet and yet i thought i don't really want to watch this i don't want to watch that i think this is a good time to introduce your mom
4: (laughs) okay i'll just say the only thing. I will say that I wrote down in my notes is love Mario Cantone devastating Stanford. That's it.
3: The lines that were funniest on the show were delivered by from Stanford, particularly when he says that carries this generation's Jackie O because she's still serving looks after her husband's dead. I loved that. So speaking of serving looks, (laughs) speaking of serving looks,
4: Now we're going to move into another HBO show, and in order to do that, I want to bring in our guest, because she is a super fan of that, and of me, and of our podcast. I don't know about of Carolina, but Carolina's kind of the outlier (laughs) in the situation. So She thinks I'm family. Please welcome back to the show uh, New York Times bestselling author and essayist, and famously my mom, Anne Leary. Howdy, guys how oh, howdy. Howdy. Howdy do. Howdy do. I mean, how do you how do you do how do you buy one miniature
3: horse how do you, you say do? Do. how, how do you do what is this power of the
4: dog okay um <laughs> so mom yeah <laughs> yes. can you get me a glass of water no i'm kidding um <laughs> welcome to the show we haven't Thank seen you. you since the summer how are you doing I'm doing well. I'm so
6: excited that you asked me to be back on the show, and as you know,
3: I'm a regular listener. Thank God, my mom isn't. Well, Your mom doesn't, doesn't listen. She doesn't listen uh, regularly. Neither. I don't think anyone in my family does. And I'm like, wow, you don't want to hear about my sex life anymore. Interesting.
6: You know who listens to every single episode is my mother. She loves the show, and she does. Yeah, she she loves hearing about all your fun masturbating and your your fornicating. I mean,
3: we're not that raunchy, mainly because we both um, are just like I'm not going to call us losers, but I will say that like we we both like um, weren't as sexually active as we would have been if like maybe we were hotter. <laughs> You guys are super hot. What are you talking I know, about? No, no, I know, but we're not like. I mean, it, Devin and I have spoken about girls in New York. We know, and we're like, God, if we looked like that, we would be such. <laughs> you'd a be happy You'd
6: have so many STDs, right? I now. would have so many STDs. Spoken I would be as hitting
3: the clubs. I once wished, when I was in high school, that guys could just have a little green light over their heads, like a Sims character, so I could know that, like, they were down, so I wouldn't have to be rejected. And I really understand that.
4: They would have a green light and they would come up to you and go sabu se ma bojima.
3: That's what Sims stomp sound like. Stop on the ground and pee their pants. How the gets them to the bathroom. Yeah, the bathroom. Don't most guys have a
4: green light on their head if they're out and out of club? Maybe maybe you your experience, mom, but it's a little bit harder <laughs> for us. Maybe in your experience, maybe that's yeah. why you're married. Maybe that's <laughs> why you're married.
3: Okay. Um, All right.
4: you two are gorgeous and. Men are
6: afraid to approach you, in my opinion.
3: Okay,
4: I am taking
3: that to the bank.
4: Um, That's so true, aside from a man man on the subway the other day who, without any fear at all, just walked right up to me and said, you think you're better than me, bitch? (laughs) And I kept walking.
3: That reminds me of being in New York and a man coming up to me when I was 13 saying, you only care about your mommy and your daddy. (laughs) <laughs> and me thinking you're not wrong about that um that's pretty much my world right now <laughs> and it still is um so you guys both watched the succession finale last night we I watched presume. it together we did we did
4: it's and important i'll say one thing and i'm not afraid to say it little too much talking for me during the viewing
2: oh, did i talk to larry
4: There was there was some there was a few moments of group discussion during the during the show that I I could have done without. But that's okay.
6: But I don't like talking during TV. So I was I doing that.
4: But we
6: rewinded.
4: Oh, well, we rewinded at one point, but I could have done with the few rewinds. You know what I mean? I'll have rewatch
3: the whole season because it's so rich with hot one liners. Um, one of my favorites last night being Shiv saying, oh, my God, we just walked in on mom and dad fucking us. I was thinking yeah. about that this morning. That
6: was a great <laughs> line. That was a really great line. I, I often wonder if, if, when whether the writers decide who to give that to. Like they could have given it to
3: Roman just as easily, but they're like, right. we're going to give that one to Shiv. Well, Roman is really the tragic character of last night. Kendall is totally. kind of saved because he finally confesses to the fact that he stood by uh, a waiter's death, and his siblings actually comfort him, which is like mm-hmm. a really like beautiful scene. I thought. Well, but also I love that they're behind, they're with the trash that's getting taken out. Like yeah. in the meantime, yeah. they're literally getting taken out, and they don't even know it.
4: And they have no idea. How to like be intimate at all. So their comforting is like so awkward.
3: And weird and dark. Like he's like, who hasn't killed Roman's like, who hasn't killed a kid? You've killed a yeah. kid, right, Shiv? And she's like, uh, yeah. I I will say it's the only time in this series that we've seen all the siblings unify around taking down their dad, and that we're rooting for them, even though all three of them are terrible people. And when Roman, literally on his hands and knees, this mm. the directing is so brilliant, goes to Jerry saying, "You can help us, right? You can let's help us stop him." And she goes, "How will that serve my best interest?" That was heartbreaking. And heartbreaking, but at the same time, he was sending her dick pics when she was asking him not to, and almost derailed her entire career. That's so true. So it's like we're re- I I I am speechless. I really don't know what to do, and then. We also forget, we're we're so focused on Logan being the bad parent, we forget that they have a mom who's a sociopath and just traded them in for a London flat. In some ways,
6: it almost seemed like all three of them went crawling into that Mm, meeting. Like they came in and they suddenly were children, which they really are. I mean, they were out of their depth always. And in some ways, I did feel that they... though we love them in some ways and hate them in other ways, they each got the comeuppance they des- each deserved a this little is bit. True. It sucks that their parents made them who they are and are still torturing them. But I personally felt they were suddenly brought down to size. Mm-hmm. And I-, I feel like if I looked at it again, maybe they did
3: something with the camera that made them look smaller than they usually do. Yeah, They
6: felt small. I don't know.
3: Well, I Roman it. also imitated Kendall's position behind the trash cans where all of a sudden roman was on his knees and his siblings were comforting him <laughs> and there was i mean but yeah i completely agree there that line logan royce says where he's like make your own fucking pile of money right and it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah these kids have done nothing
6: yeah except- so there's the sense of entitlement that they don't understand that they have they suddenly i think were faced with it and and frankly, the Tom Greg thing yeah. was really rewarding for me because I we love <laughs> them um, and Tom, yeah I love Tom I love Greg and I kind of love the way they left it. It was almost like end of the Godfather where yes, when she saw it was him compared right? to
3: that. It was compared to that. It, it was the same color scheme, brown. Oh, and it white. was yes. I, I'm impressed that you uh, pulled oh, that yeah. out, out of your hat just now. Well, just what it felt like when you know at the end of Godfather. One when one yeah when
6: Diane Keaton, Diane Keaton yeah sees them through the door she sees him I just thought it was great watching Shiv's face when he comes and oh. hugs he starts doing to her what he, she's always done to him
4: pretending yes. he, pretending he her,
6: pretending he cares for her and he yeah. and he's just and she knows like she suddenly the look on her face and that's where at uh, what's the actress's name Snook. Sarah, Sarah, Sarah Snook. Snook. Snook she that acting in that moment her face this thing of oh. like a a rabbit caught in a trap, like an animal. She's done that to him their whole marriage. Suddenly he just did it to her. And it's always going to be like that from now on if she wants to
3: have anything to do with the company. Yeah. So I love that. There's been a power play their whole marriage that she's won until now. And he's always loved her, which makes this betrayal so much more potent because it's the first time he's really done something unloving to her. I don't think he loves her anymore and he shouldn't. I, I, I love it. In that moment, I was like, oh, she's
4: going to fucking scream at him. She's going to be like, Tom, like, what the fuck? Like, but she can't do that. Like my mom said, like she has to continue to play the game and just be like, hi, Tom. And it almost was like painful for me to watch because I was like, just fucking scream at each other. Like, Mm-mm. just like, like, just yell at each other. Just like get in a blowout fight. Like, I want them to do that so badly because that's obviously what I would do. But they can't. They have to engage in this weird game. And it's just really fascinating.
3: So there was an Easter egg here, which was that a while ago when Tom is freaking out about going to prison, he tells Greg in Greg's weird little shitty cubicle, he says, Well, Nero pushed his wife down the stairs. Oh and yeah. then he had Sporus castrated and he married him instead. Which was like the weirdest exchange of dialogue at that point i think he says i would castrate you and marry you wouldn't i greg like it's very very strange and weird and sort of you know aligns with their homoerotic relationship then in this last scene where he and that beautiful scene where greg says you know Mm -hmm. what am i going to do with a soul anyways which is like one of my favorite lines of tv dialogue i've ever heard and as alison Agosti on twitter said reminds me of dating in la oh Um, (laughs) They are also last night in that exchange. She goes, "Do you want to come with me, Sporus?"
5: Mm. So it's a
3: callback to. Oh, him I have to rewatch. Saying, I'm pushing my wife down the stairs, and yeah. I'm going to marry you instead. Okay,
4: wow, I have to watch that. And I will say, even though I just roasted her, my favorite thing about being friends is— well, not my favorite thing. But one of my favorite things about being friends with Carolina is that she points these things out in movies and TV that I never would have noticed. I noticed it. Okay, well I guess I I guess I love that about both of you. I'm I'm like, anyway, goo ga
3: kaka Shiv has big butt. <laughs> well to be fair, that was my um critique of the episode was that Shiv's butt is all I can stare at during emotional it's, scenes. She's deeply attractive. I also Twitter pointed this out. I didn't intuit this, but there's a kiss of death in every season finale for succession. Oh. So the first one was Logan kissing Kendall after uh-huh saying that i know you killed that kid in black man, basically oh. the second season is kendall sneaks a kiss to logan before he betrays him and this last episode chills on my body as i say this matthew mcfaden kisses the back of sarah snook's head as he ah. comes in to quote unquote check on her that's right that's but right tom McFadden, the actor is so i'm sorry matthew McFadden, who plays tom is such a good actor yeah because he is actually a very attractive man like there was a shot in this where i was like oh he's tan he looks so handsome i forgot because he plays such a weasel no he plays romantic leads in films you know for the bbc yeah yeah yeah
6: yeah and others too no he's very attractive but he can play a dork really well yeah that is
4: good It's frustrating to me that they always say, like, he's shooting out of his league or she's too good for him. I disagree. I think he's very attractive. Yes, he's an extreme Republican apologist who is okay with Nazis, but I think he's attractive and funny and fun. So I don't think that he's shooting out of his league, but he does play it like he is, which I guess is the point.
3: I also... Thought the most painful part of this season was when they're having their version of dirty talk, and she says, "And mm-hmm. I'm out of your league, and you're with me, even though I don't love you." So and painful. But he needed that to be able to that's what exactly. made him do this. He needed exactly.
6: that. I mean, it, for her to act, she actually finally said it out loud: "I don't love you," and. It's such gaslighting to make it mm-hmm. seem like it's just pillow talk. Oh, she's like dirty. I no. know. She's like,
4: no. you shouldn't. You shouldn't have asked for it. Then, basically, she says.
6: Yeah, and he didn't. He never asked for the abuse that she gives I him. I know. I and know. And she she always
3: acts as if they both enjoy that, and he never has. So anyway, people keep saying that it's going to be Gone Girl next season, and someone on Twitter pointed out, no, he Gone Girled her. Like she is Nick Dunn. She was the one who treated him badly, and he exacted this revenge. She's not the hero that we want her to be. And that's the thing is that like we're heartbroken for Roman, even though he's a verified bad person. Capital B, capital P. Mm -hmm. So it's really just a perfect tragedy. And um, I both admire the writing and I'm deeply jealous of it. And I'm trying to live with peace over that. Agreed. Agreed.
4: I I do have to say conversation for another time. I do not think that Amy Dunn is the hero of Gone Girl. I disagree.
3: Girl, I thought you were gone. Okay. Um,
4: so, let us. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> let us be serious here. This is a serious podcast. Let us take a quick break, and then we're gonna come back with a new um, segment. Say it with seg- confidence with a new lease on life i really hope um no we're gonna come back with a new segment and we'll talk to you soon okay this is horrible okay bye
0: i want you
5: take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies.
4: Welcome back to True Romance. So, we've decided to do a series of episodes about one of our favorite things that can often, quite often be connected to romance. I would I would argue is maybe always connected to romance, but I have a sick mind, so that's yes. just me. So, we uh, so Welcome to our first of a series of episodes of True Crime Romance, in which we will be having guests come on to tell us about their favorite crime story that is, in their mind, connected to romance. And we really thought, who better, truly who better, to start this series off than prominent Reddit commenter, member of many... Uh, private investigation services (laughs) online and the woman who herself stood across from me in the kitchen when I was a child and said, wait, you don't know about the OJ case. (gasps) Oh my God. And told me it all. She is Anne Leary and she's going to take us on a little journey today. Well, I have to say thank you
6: guys. And also I, I'm just throwing it out there. I don't know why you need other guests to talk about true crime because i'm free every oh. week oh. and i know all the crimes but anyway i'm just saying other people might i i'm like an encyclopedia though if you just need a reference you could just call me and i'll tell you the names dates
3: whatever i will be I'm like obsessed. phone a mom instead of phone a friend we're gonna phone yes. a mom to i check do remember in. a time mom hey mom <laughs> Mom. I remember, I remember a time,
6: and I wasn't even trying to be funny when Devon told me she had read about some crime, and I said in full, like earnestness, I am so proud that you share and are interested in my you know, share my love for
4: true crime, like <laughs> more than and also, many other things. That's what I'm most also. Pr- not- just yesterday, we my mom was talking about like whether or not it's appropriate to send very long text messages. We don't need to go into why she was asking that, but she was <laughs> saying, like, is it weird to send long text messages? And I said, no, it's not. But I do remember a dinner one night where I actually was with Carolina and our other friend, Peter Kelly, and I received several very long messages from my mom. And when I took a quick glance, <laughs> I did see a photo of the Kennedy assassination with different <laughs> characters circled and some sort of commentary about like, the, this woman here is pictured like this in this photo, but not another photo. And I just said, I can't do it right now. Just right now, I'm eating right dinner. Now? Can't get into the Kennedy assassination right now. Maybe over dessert. Grassy
6: Knoll discussions are always current and i'm surprised i was a little disappointed because i felt like you could stop the dinner to talk to me about that even though
4: is the grassy knoll what you're here to talk about today or do you have a different romance related case in mind
6: yes i've many so yeah my favorite cases are always i love i actually looked up crime of passion to prepare for this because it's a term and it used to be a legal defense in this country and in other countries In
3: italy right
6: in Italy, in Latin America, it's isn't that funny. I think in very um, maybe Catholic romantic. countries, r- romantic, passionate countries. Um, it it was a defense that if you found your lover, usually a man found his wife in bed, and he killed the guy. It was a it wouldn't maybe let you walk free, but you it wasn't murder because it wasn't premeditated. You kind of had justification. It was almost like what we would call now self defense, like you know. But, but but there are crimes of passion, and those are the ones I'm most fascinated by. I think the one I'm most obsessed with now, and now I'm remembering we might have talked about this before, was the Lori Vallow Chad Daybell case. Are you familiar? I
3: don't think we did.
6: Okay. Well, I'm not going to talk about it too much because it's too involved. And there are probably 30 podcasts devoted to this one crime. But what's great about today's world is that these people haven't even gone to trial yet, but... Every day there's, you know, people are deep diving into their past. And anyway, it's about a a, a cult, a Mormon offshoot. It's not uh, the LDS church wants everyone to know these are not LDS. You know, these people aren't typical LDS people. They always say that, though, don't they? I, I think so. But my interest isn't in the LDS aspect of it and this truly was an offshoot the, these people believed in they were they were preppers they were and so there was like overlap like preppers there were doomsday preppers which is an overlap other religions believed in the rapture and doomsday so they were doomsday preppers and this chad daybell decided he was a visionary that he received visions from god or something and Well, I can't go into all the details.
4: Well, just just give us the basics. Like, okay, so let's start with who is Lori Vallow and who is Chad Daybell and how did they come together?
3: Where they what's their meet cute?
4: Yeah,
6: Yeah. (laughs) well, their meet cute. Let me just say where they are now. She's in a federal mental facility because they're assessing whether she can stand trial and he's in a federal penitentiary. They are on trial for the murder of their current spouses. The murder of her two children, which who were found in his backyard, little yeah, one seven years old and one 16 years old, Shit. and she is implicated in the murder of a previous husband for life insurance, and um, oh, and her brother and other people, multiple murders, multiple and murders. he killed
3: his wife too. Yes,
6: yes. well, yes, both of their they, they so they they fell in love with each other. They were both um, kind of these cult lead. lead, They had the cult following among the small group of people. It was called preparing of people. I relate. Okay. Yeah. And they believed in zombies. Chad started getting visions of who was zombies and who who were not zombies. And they would say, well, my my wife's a zombie now. And a zombie means her soul left her body. And that's just a stranger there. And the sooner you kill the body, the happier the person will be. And then they just kill the people. So anyway, it's endless. And there's also, I just love today's world where Um, There's family members who have had um, who have their own like websites and YouTube videos who who know a lot about it. So you can really go. You can really spend a lot of time on this. I I also enjoy love nothing more than YouTube videos of police interrogations. But that might be for a different (laughs) show. But I love that.
3: Well, that was what I was going to ask was how are they caught and what was their, like, were they completely like, yeah, oh, I mean, it's, wait, she was like Wait, but how did they meet? Wait, but
4: I okay. asked.
3: They...
6: <laughs> okay, so they met because he wrote these really lame books about, became a man who sees visions, which the LDS church doesn't believe people can have. But anyway she found him and started following him and started going to his preparing a people thing. And she's really attractive. She, you know, she, she she especially was when she was younger. And he's really plain and always always had the same wife. She's had like four husbands. So he went, he literally saw her and his, his mind left his body and his penis was in charge. And then she- We all know
3: the feeling.
6: And she manipulated him. I think they both manipulated each other, but she's committed a lot of crimes prior to meeting him. So I don't think he can be blamed for the whole thing. That's what's fascinating. It's fascinating on so many levels, but I don't usually follow crimes where there's child murders or child abuse like that Kaylee Anthony thing, like I couldn't watch. I don't really, but this one, it was so, I didn't, so the reason everyone found out about it and we were following it before we knew the children were dead the grandparents wanted to see the children and she said, no, you know, they're visiting this person. She was lying about where the children were. And for months, she wouldn't say where the children were. And then she married, killed her husband, he killed his wife. They did it all in front of the police. And then they finally found the bodies and then- In uh, front
3: of the, how do you, what do you mean in front of the police?
6: So they were arrested and still said, we the children are safe. We 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 just don't want to say where they are. Mm. and so it's all there's many podcasts I will recommend one called hidden true crime and this podcast goes deep into this and the husband is a forensic psychiatrist she's from he went to Princeton and she's a journalist and they really go into he talks a lot about why people are interested in true crime because it, it his thing is it really we can't really understand humanity unless we understand all of it which is evil is usually part of specifically domestic crimes and, you know, certainly crimes that involve children. But this involves many adults who are killed, too. It's
4: very it's very convoluted. So they met at a book event for one of Chad Daybell's books, such as, for example, one Foot in the Grave, The Strange But True Adventures of a Cemetery Sexton. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And the description of that book is the author of the acclaimed Emma Trilogy, God only knows what that is, <laughs> switches gears in this nonfiction account of his years working as a cemetery sexton. In this entertaining book, readers will meet such characters as a lockpicking ghost, a coffin chasing cow, a rock band with boorish graveside manners and Mrs. Robinson, whose leg preceded her to the grave. <laughs> so this, this is a nonfiction yeah. account of a lockpicking ghost. He's
6: a dork and he's not the brightest bulb. <laughs> a
3: dork is a generous term. He's not the
6: brightest bulb, but his whole shtick is that he has two near... Stick. His to, whole be- serial killing shtick. <laughs> <laughs> he's able to see beyond the veil. So he can see into the next world because he had two near-death experiences and i'm not kidding the near-death experiences one was he was in the ocean and a wave came and his back
4: was skinned a little bit that was it (laughs) okay so it was blue crush basically
6: and the other one yeah no it wasn't even that bad another one who's on a rock near the ocean and a wave came and knocked him down and like for a minute he thought he was dying so anyway he's like (laughs) i
3: need my noodle where's my noodle
4: (laughs) wow Okay, so she walks in. She's stunningly beautiful. Do you think that she's genuinely... Do you think Lori was genuinely attracted to Chad, who you said is plain looking? And I would say that's a generous term for how he looks. Mm -hmm. Do you think that she was genuinely attracted to him? Or do you think she was like, look at this easy mark for my scam of like convincing men to kill people for me?
6: I think she was attracted to him because she was gullible when it came to the... Beliefs. She really did believe in this offshoot of that religion. And whenever there's a man in power, often, you know, no matter how um, sociopathic the woman might be, like, she doesn't see what he looks like. And suddenly, he seems really handsome to her. Not a- right. always, but to an unhealthy person. And then he was attracted to because she's, you know, sexy and she's super seductive. With She's very flirty with men. And there's all yes. this footage of her talking to cops. She's super flirty. What's great, too, is there's all this footage which is really embarrassing for the cops. It's their uh, body cam footage of her flirting with them and then believing her. Of course. And, yep. and then her husband who she's trying to kill is like the, she's trying to kill me and they're they they they're like go away
3: now. Right. And yeah. They, yeah, so it's really interesting. It reminds me of just how clueless men are about women's intentions in general. For instance, we were joking about thinking your friend is mad at you. Men never think that they're never like, oh, my God, are they okay? Like they seem really uncomfortable or really weird. Like I, they just you have to be so obvious when you're giving a man silent treatment. You have to like literally like huff and drop things loudly and like walk around. You have to
4: murder their wife, basically, (laughs) for them to know you're mad.
3: No,
6: but it's also true. Like, (laughs) don't
3: you have friends
6: that a guy is dating a female who, you know, is really off? She's a complete psychopath all the time. And then the man can't see it, but the minute a woman meets her within a second, you know. So men are at a disadvantage there. So we are at a disadvantage in that men are, as far as crime goes, men are physically stronger and we're more victimized by men. But when men, that's why I'm so fascinated by when men are victimized by women, it's rare. But you know, the manipulation level is off the charts compared to a male sociopath, like a female sociopath. now she's just like gonna run circles around her male victim. And I'm always fascinated by that.
4: It's funny because one time Carolina told me that she was talking to a previous boyfriend and said, like, she had this realization like that. She was
3: like, I've never been wrong before. Right. Do you remember this, Carolina? I do. I do. And I and I remember telling him that, like, I'm actually right about everything. And I I (laughs) true I truly from the bottom of my soul believe that. And like a part of me now understands, like, maybe I need some more quote-unquote humility maybe I need to like come down to earth but but I honestly am right 90% of the time no and
4: you are no that's what I was gonna say it's like when you first told me that I was like okay first of all fuck you no I'm kidding I was like no you're being I was like maybe I don't know I just remember like laughing and thinking it was kind of funny But I was genuinely sitting, caught myself sitting here the other day thinking like, wait, I was right about everything. Every girl that I ever said was flirting with someone I was dating was. Every person I ever said I thought the person I was dating shouldn't be friends with because they weren't trustworthy turned out to be untrustworthy. Like I, every time I thought someone was in a bad mood and I asked them, they're okay. And they said, yeah, I'm fine. I know they're not. I was right. They were not. I think it's a female intuition thing. And it's true. And I also was talking to a friend about it, too, where it's like where we when we go into any situation, like we naturally have to look around for if there's a threatening situ- exactly. person. Like exactly. anytime I've been to a bar or a party, like you look around and you're like, ooh, that guy looks kind of sketchy. I don't know. Men never a have movie to theater. do that. <laughs> movie theater, subway, anything like I've definitely moved subway cars when yeah. I felt threatened oh, yeah. by like terrifying American psycho bankers.
3: That was the point I was going to make, which was that it's just a part of our natural selection process that men just had to be strong and like get a cool club to knock us down with and women had to read the room, so to speak, read the cave and really try to figure out um what our threat level was and communicate that to each other. We had to be better communicators than men and just frankly are. So I completely agree. And I I think this is, you know, gaslighting has become a very popular phrase in the last couple of years. And um, we all generally know it. I I think it's overused kind of, but I will say you have to learn how to overpower it. Meaning that people will always second guess you when it comes to these feelings, if they're not plain. Like, I think that girl's flirting with you. I think that girl's flirting with you. I think that girl's flirting with you. There's always going to be some butthole who's like, Oh, no, she's just like that. No, she's just nice. No, she's just nice. And it and you feel like the crazy jealous one for being like, no, babe, she's not. But um, nine times out of 10, you are right, because people actually go out of their way to make people comfortable. So when they don't, that is a red flag. I love that this isn't the same conversation as sociopaths. So we're like, no, no, kill you. no, it
6: actually it is. But sociopaths don't feel uncomfortable ever, but they actually know that we're at a disadvantage because we do feel uncomfortable and we actually want to not hurt their feelings. So they take advantage right. of us. They bank on that. So they will actually do inappropriate things, knowing that it makes us uncomfortable to see them embarrassed. So we will, mm help that so it does relate because that's what they use against us they don't it have that it reminds
3: me of the near the end of girl with the dragon tattoo daniel craig and stellan scars get getting a uh, sort of tango if uh, <laughs> so to speak and stellan scars says come in for a drink And Daniel Craig does. And then later, Stellan Skarsgård said, isn't that interesting? Because Stellan Skarsgård is getting ready to kill him. And he says, you were more scared of being rude than you were of getting hurt. And I think that has been, is is such a lesson where it's sort of like when you feel like you're at a bad party or you're on a date that you want to end. And instead of just saying, I have to go. You feel like, how do I get out of this situation with making sure this person feels OK rather than I'm a, like I'm, my needs first?
6: It's how women are victimized most by men, I think, is that it's not about other people's feelings, you know, hurt people's feelings could be sick. You know what I mean? But yeah, I think always that is something that we have to know that predators rely on. And they also I think. You know, I won't bore you with another case, but there's another case I was fascinated by because we got to see a woman who's a true sociopath and borderline, and she was literally shape-shifting in front of our eyes during the police interrogation. It was really interesting. No, what was it? The Jody Arias case, my, you know, favorite.
3: My girl. <laughs> it was
6: a true, like, fatal attraction thing. She killed him brutally because he didn't want to go out with her anymore. But she was a true borderline personality person, and she had no... Soul. She had no, she was an empty shell of a person. And during the interrogation, the police officer said, Nothing you're saying is true. You're not reacting like a person who's sad about a person dying. And she said, In all earnestness, how does a person act? Oh my though? God. And he told her, and then she did it. He said, Well, they usually cry and then they're angry at being accused. So she started crying. And mm. it, it was fascinating because she was so smart about abuse. Uh, how to abuse and manipulate people, but she had no self-awareness. Like, don't ask the guy how to act and then do the thing. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> yeah. I want true Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series.
5: Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandys.
4: So I remember one detail that you pointed out to me that was really interesting about Lori was how she shape shifted and how when she called Chad from prison, she talked in this weird yes. like baby talk to him. Uh, no, can no, no, you yeah. can you get into that a little bit? There's a term in the LDS church which
6: has to do with being sweet or talking sweet. And it's how Mormon women are supposed to be sweet and subservient, and so they do all they all talk differently when, especially when public speaking, and they have a very childish kind of way of speaking. But when you see on the body cam when she's talking to police, she has a different thing, you know. So that's not really her way, but yeah, she did a very. You're right, Devin. Yeah, she she does a whole. Very baby talk, almost Ooh. with him.
4: There was like a recorded prison pr- phone call where she was like, "Do you want me to pray
6: for yeah, you?" Yeah, it was really, really. It's so dark. I mean, her kids are dead. It was dark. It's dark.
3: Yeah, that baby talk is dark in general. I mean, when you think about it, talking like a baby to your boyfriend or girlfriend, who and killed I, your children? Who killed? You, I mean, yeah. There's there's a deeper level to that one. But I remember, and I may have shared this on the pod before, but I was at a party. And this couple that I knew at the time, the girlfriend ran up to her boyfriend and she said, I have tacos. And she was holding <laughs> tacos in her hand. And he said, ooh, are they delicious? No. And oh I was God. like, I I remember being like, if, if I am single forever and the alternative is being in a relationship like this, I would take singlehood any day of the week because this is... That's dark. You are going to, you look like you've got a lobotomy. Yeah, Mm.
4: it is really dark. If I was in that situation, I might call up a good old quirky cemetery sexton who could
0: uh, (laughs) step in and help me out. They
3: are zombies. I can see that soul leaving that body.
4: (laughs) Another question I have. So mom, you were talking about the family members of the victims. And I specifically remember the family of, lori's husband who she manipulated her brother into killing her husband for her so she could marry Mm -hmm. chad if i understand correctly so what has his family's commentary been like what is there a general vibe of like we wish to god our son didn't date this woman like is that the vibe
6: her most recent husband she killed who was the father of those children his sister and brother-in-law were the ones that brought it to the police attention. These children are missing. Where are the children? Where are the children? Right. But Lori was married before to a man who's dead. whose name was Joseph Ryan. Uh And Joseph Ryan's sister, she works in analytics. If you want to find her, she's on, it's called Annie, Ann, like me, A-N-N-I-E, lytics, like analytics. And she does a lot of work that has nothing to do with crime. But her brother was Joseph Ryan, another one of Lori Vallow's victims. So she did a lot of, uh, YouTube videos about it. She's amazing. And um, so, yeah, she, Uh, what was the question, Devin, about? Oh, yeah. So the family members have been involved in. I think you brought this up because I like left a family dinner because she was doing a YouTube live one night. And yes, I was she like, did. Any Annie, Annie, Ryan's doing a YouTube live, but she was married to another victim. She's Lori has murdered at least two husbands for life insurance. She's had four husbands. There might she might have murdered. So, yeah. Why is life insurance allowed? I don't
4: understand because
6: I, I mean it's really
4: a motive in many crimes. My question is like, did this devolve? Like, was this like the type of thing where like she came to a Thanksgiving and they were like, ooh, I don't know about her, like she's a little much, and then no. it evolved into like, and then she murdered everyone, or did they love her? No, everything is strange about this
6: case, Devin. Everything like, um, she didn't have red flags. Women liked her. She had female friends that really liked Weird. her. And people thought she was a great and it was mother.
2: Carolina,
3: <laughs> Carolina really was her, her best female friend. I threw her a uh, bridal shower for each wedding. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't have red flags. Probably to us she would, but I don't know.
6: Maybe in in Utah, you know, I don't... I, her. her gang. In Utah, they oh, don't see all, red flags. They're all pretty in the same way, too. A lot of these women... The, you know, in that part, you know, like the Salt Lake City, they're they're all blonde and they're all they all have the same accent. I don't know. It's very Stepford Wife LDS, right. is what it is. Right.
4: So they all loved her, and then it was like the shocking turn. Did they believe her about what happened to her husbands? Well, what then? Later, they
6: looked back and thought, oh yeah, that was weird. They looked back, and then they saw. Well, you know, now you know, I because she was, you know, but but yeah, she she fooled a lot of
3: people. So that is also a thing that guys do is that after the fact, when everything's been fucking revealed, they're like, I guess it was weird how many times she was married and that her husbands did tend to disappear. When you're like, isn't that weird? That girl lied about this too. And they're like, I guess that was weird. Or isn't it weird that your, you know, friend also fucked over this person. They're like, yeah, I mean, now thinking about it, that could have been, um, uh, indicator of their character. Also, men calling women crazy, which they do all the time. And men will tend to, if
6: there's a breakup, say, well, she was crazy. But the truth is, they it often is don't. It is the
3: Jody Arias case.
6: <laughs> They're honestly, usually the people they call her crazy are just normal. But that, they, the truly crazy people, they don't see. Right. Yeah.
3: You well, know. when you're a sociopath and not a lot affects you, as you were explaining. And I was just watching Mindhunter over again. And I forgot that that was something that was a discovery, basically, on how sociopaths act, where they're interviewing people who killed people. And they're sort of like, I don't really think about it. Like, I don't really feel... A lot about it
6: it's fascinating to me it's fascinating to me the people who uh yeah that it's you know people are born without a, a conscience so they, they have no they know they have no capacity for guilt or shame so that seems so freeing I'd love to never feel shame it's like my that's my oh my
3: gosh can you that's imagine? my
6: baseline so I, I, <laughs>
3: I think about things that I did that could have hurt people I'm not kidding, 15 years ago. Thought about it last night. Same, same. And And um, I would love to walk around uh, a little bit freer, at least, maybe right. not as much that I would kill a couple husbands, but it, yeah. it, it also makes me think about how, you know how Ben Carson, um, people were saying that he was a sociopath, that people were reading his mannerisms, et, et cetera. And, Interesting. And, and, and that's my question too, is like, Do you believe that there's people who maybe won't ever kill someone who just walk around? Absolutely.
6: Oh, absolutely. And I think there are there are pedophiles that just like to have proximity to children who've never truly crossed boundaries, but they're creepy. You know, and I think that's true. I think there are people, there's borderline people in every, you know, there's people who would, you know, hurt an animal, but not a child who would hurt a child. But I do think, especially in the mean, Patrick... I'm
3: so sorry, but in the meantime, Holly is in the corner of your screen
5: <laughs> She's she just looked up. She's glaring like, at what? me. She's
6: she like, it. you
3: mean me, mom? <laughs> but
6: Carolina, I think you're right about that. There are people who have fantasized a lot about hurting and killing people that have never done it. Thank God
3: i know i know i remember hearing about people like that like i remember in high school there was a guy who was like on a sports team and someone was like oh yeah he wants to join the military he says he wants to kill someone
6: yes well that's the other thing is there's a place in this world for psychopaths
3: hear that you guys there's a place for you <laughs>
6: yeah so like the number one career for people who test as psychopaths is like a navy seal or a mm. surgeon or a, right. a lawyer. Because you know, there they're people who really don't want e- it's almost like the Dexter thing. It's like they, they just have no qualms about hurting others. So why not use it in a positive way? So they have no fear, they have a really high pain threshold, they have all this, you know, they don't mind cutting people open, but aren't evil.
4: Yeah. It's interesting because that is what I said when I interviewed to be Carolina's sidekick on this <laughs> podcast. I said, I actually have no qualms about hurting you, insulting you, cutting you open. So I think I would make the perfect sidekick. And I think she has been regretting that decision every She day. did say day.
3: I'm not evil, though. And she added the little purple devil smiling emoji. I said, <laughs>
4: I'm not evil. There's a space for me. It's occurring to me now. So I obviously I looked up chad's book chad daybell's book and i noticed on his good <laughs> he's don't tell me he has a goodreads page on his goodreads, <laughs> goodreads page there's a mom, giveaway <laughs> his author photo by the way my mom is an author she just before this podcast she showed me her new author photo and she's like do you like this well here's some perspective mom his goodreads author profile photo is his mugshot and it says Chad Daybell was born in 1968 in Pro- Provo, Utah. He married Tamra Tammy Douglas in Utah in March 9, 1990. After graduating from BYU in 1992 with a BA in journalism, Daybell worked as a cemetery sexton casually before establishing his end of days publisher, Spring Creek Book Company, with his wife, a graphic artist and manager. Chad and Tammy had five children. And in t- 2015, Chad Daybell allegedly twice heard a voice telling him to relocate to Rexburg, Idaho. He and Tammy moved there from Utah in June, and then Tammy passed away in 2019. Passed so basically, away. she passed away October 20th, 2019. Chad Daybell married Lori Vallow on November 5th, 2019. Yeah, so, they married two weeks after she passed away. First of all, how the hell is this someone's, like, Goodreads page? Because someone had to write this. and like, <laughs> Someone had to write this? that bio. Like, who was like, uh, okay, so the bio all right, is basically... I wrote it. I wrote it. I didn't have anything
6: else
3: to do.
4: I, I, like to, I finished my book.
3: I wrote the thing. You, whoever wrote it, you can see that they're really trying to be fair. Maybe overly so. Like, they're like, allegedly, okay, she passed away. Allegedly, he saw things. Like, that allegedly is doing some heavy lifting. You mean, allegedly, he twice heard a voice telling him to
4: relocate to Idaho, where he later... Somehow lost his wife to a random passing away (laughs) and then proposed to his girlfriend. It's very fascinating that this can exist. Meanwhile, I don't even have a website. Really? This guy gets a website and a bio and I don't
3: even have a website. I will Um, say his bio is longer than mine. And and that does have something to do with my accomplishments. I'm like, oh. I'm like, oh, assistant for eight years and now has a
4: podcast. And he's like, I started a publisher on my own for end of days books.
6: Yeah, he self-published his books and he's got a Goodreads page. Eh,
4: whatever. So I'm they, so he's in jail and she's in this hospital. Do you think they have any interaction at all, Mom?
6: To one another? I don't know. Uh, it looks right now like they're going to turn on each other. And we think already in the, like, the pretrial oh. series, Chad's lawyer is trying to make it look like Chad was her victim. He fell prey to her maniacal like sociopath, or psychopath psychopathy. And she's going to say the same thing about him. There's another character, which is her brother, who was the actual assassin of all the people. He's dead now, too. So they're going to blame it all on Alex, her brother.
4: people. so he assassinated Tammy and the children and... Uh, he
6: admitted to killing Charles, her husband, and was let go because he said it was self-defense. I mean, it, it, it's just a lot, guys. It's a lot.
4: A lot. Does Lori have any actual direct blood on her hands? Like, did she kill anyone herself? And did Chad kill anyone herself? Or was it all the brother? That's what we don't know. But we okay. will find out when there's a trial because there's a lot of forensics
6: that haven't been released. But it does look like her brother... Her brother definitely was... His phone pinged where the kids were buried, and so did Chad. You can't get away with crimes, kids. Don't bring your phones to the bodies. They ping. Okay. Okay. I'll leave you with that. And thank you for having me on. And I'll just tell you, I met a super fan of yours. Somebody came up and said, I'm really embarrassed. I hope you don't mind. And I thought she was about to compliment me on something I wrote. (laughs) And she said, I'm a huge fan of your daughter's podcast. I listen to it every week. Love, love, love. So passing that on, guys. They are now they're now like accosting me on the streets. Your fans, okay. But was she a zombie?
3: That's what I need she to know. She might
6: have been a zombie.
3: It's I so hard enough? to say these
6: days. It's hard okay. to say, but I think she was real. I think she was human. I think she
3: was human. <laughs> I think she was still among the living. We are so lucky to have this wealth of knowledge, <laughs> only a phone call away, or in Devin's case, a room away. And, yes. Um, we hope we didn't traumatize Holly, uh, your dog in the corner um thanks for having me on she's seen a lot she She has she's killed a
4: few chipmunks and stuff too
3: thus concludes part one of our true crime true romance series
4: and tune in next week thank you
6: mom thanks for having me on and i'm just kidding i I don't have to come on again i'm just i
4: wasn't we will gladly have you on anytime (laughs) okay bye. bye love you bye
0: I want you.